Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here. And if you're a guest um, and you didn't think I looked old enough to be here 25 years, thank you very, very much. You would not believe. I have to get here at 5 in the morning to get makeup put on just to kind of cover the wrinkles. But it's great to have you here if you're a guest, regular tender. And what a privilege to, to be with you this morning after so many other mornings. This weekend, we're moving to Corinth. And because Corinth is taking us to uh, a place that's in a, a modern-day country different from where we've already been in this series, I thought I would help you to relive the geography so that you can kind of place yourself in the world as to where these events are unfolding. And so here's your world map. Most of you probably recognize portions of this, but this series, part three of Origins, we're going to focus in on a couple of areas. We moved from Israel to Turkey, modern-day Turkey, and then Greece is where we're moving today, and then we'll ultimately be in Rome. But Corinth is right there in the southern center of Greece, as you'll see, uh, on a little isthmus, uh, little uh, mass of land tying together two land masses. And, and that's where the city was, extremely prosperous. You can see from its location that it would have been in control of a great part of the commerce of that day because of the port cities and all the major highways would have gone through there. This was a prosperous, prosperous city. But I, I knew nothing about this city. I knew nothing about the geography of the Bible when I first came to faith. I had been most of my life quite antagonistic against religion for sure, and even God didn't want anything to do with him. And then ultimately through a series of, of interactions and God confrontations in my life, I came to faith. And I uh, was kind of new to the faith when I went to college. And I remember sitting in my dormitory. This is the Bible. I still keep this on my desk as a memory of my initial days walking with Jesus. And, and uh, I was reading 1 Corinthians. I literally have the ribbon in this Bible set to 1 Corinthians always on my desk because this passage that Paul wrote to the people who were believers in Jesus in Corinth um, impacted me significantly in the early days of my journey. I mean, the lessons he taught me, it was just an amazing deal. And so when I had the privilege to go and stand in Corinth for the very first time, I mean, I keep a Bible on my desk put to 1 Corinthians because of its impact on my life. It just was awe-inspiring. I got to go to the city where these people came to faith, where Paul went and stayed and, and taught them and discipled them, and, and I got to see the context of this place. And I'm going to tell you, the things that you learn just from the context, open your eyes to what God was saying in this book in ways you cannot experience otherwise. It, it's formative. I had been teaching out of this book and in this book for 30 years, and then I go to Corinth, and my eyes open in a brand new way to stuff Paul was saying to them and why he was saying it. And, and if you ever have an opportunity, I just encourage you to take a trip just to focus on your spiritual formation. This is why we take people to Israel uh, quite often. And we're now planning a trip, by the way, to modern-day Turkey, modern-day Greece, and all these areas so that we can focus on the New Testament spiritual formation of people's lives. And so you might be praying about that, putting away pennies, well, maybe dollars, maybe more than that, so that you can do that with us. But, but context opens the Word of God to you. And so, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to walk through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. I'm not going to walk through Acts 18 where Paul kind of went to Corinth for the first time. I'm, I'm going to highlight 
a truth that really came into firm clarity for me when I stood there in Corinth. Uh, one of the striking features in ancient Corinth as you visit it today is the temple that you see behind me right now. It's the, the remains of the temple of Apollo. And Apollo was uh, a god out of Greek mythology and, and in Greek mythology he was the son of Zeus and ultimately he was considered to be the god of truth or the god of prophecy, proclaimed truth. And, the god of healing or medicine and the god of music and art and beauty and wisdom and, and the Greeks really held him up with prominence and this huge temple was built to represent him. But, but the temple to Apollo that you see is just one of the many, many temples that was in Corinth in the day of Paul. There was the temple of Aphrodite and Poseidon and Hermes and Isis and, and they even built, as many cities did, a pantheon and a pantheon was a temple built to all the gods. You didn't want to miss anyone. So you could worship any god in the pantheon. And it was just, it was all these temples being built. And Corinth is an example of how throughout history, people have created temples to house their gods. And, and all the temples in Corinth motivated Paul to share an important truth that human beings have missed since the very, very beginning. And it's borne out by the building of these temples. And here's the truth that Paul shared. And I, I never understood why he wrote this to the Corinthians originally. I, I, I understood portions of the truth, but I didn't understand why until I stood there right in the shadow of this great temple. You know what Paul tells us the truth is? God created us to be his temple. God created us to be his temples, to be the place where he is housed in this world. God created us to be the place where he is worshiped from the inside out. God created us to be the place where he reveals himself to us and is in relationship with us. We were created to be the temples of God. And Paul says this to the people who lived in the shadow of, of this temple and so many other temples built as majestic pieces of art for their gods in his day. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know, Paul writes, that you yourselves are God's temple, that God's spirit lives in you. You don't need to go to the temple of Apollo to experience, you know, your spirituality. God created you to be his temple. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is actually a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you've received from God? This is spoken now to those of us who've received Jesus. He goes, you know, you were created to be the temple of God, but you weren't born as a temple of God because of sin. God can no longer take up residence in us. But Jesus came and died for sin so that those who put their faith in him and experience his resurrection power can once again experience what they were created to experience, God in them, the hope of glory, being the temples of God. And he says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price, the price of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. Therefore, now that you're his temples, don't go to a temple like this to honor God but honor God with your body in all you do because you were created to be his temple. Now, that's really different. It's a whole different view. You see, it highlights our problem. Paul is pointing out with clarity our problem. We've pushed God 
out of our lives. We've pushed God out of the place that he created us for him to dwell in. We've pushed God out. And so no longer do we worship him as he was intended to be worshipped. We have to worship him in an external way. And do you realize it's when we experience his presence within us that we experience inner fulfillment, which is what he created us for. It's, it's when we experience him in us that we experience his peace and his joy and his contentment and the sense of our own value. And because we've pushed him out, we've lost these things. And no matter what we experience in this world, we, we still don't experience the fulfillment we were meant to experience, or the peace, or the joy, or the meaning, or the value, the sense of compassion, because, because he's not there to minister that to us. And so we're, what we try and do is we, we really try and solve this huge problem that we have now that we've pushed God out of our lives and left God out of our lives. We, we try and solve this problem in two different ways. The first way we try and solve this problem is we we try to replace God with cheap alternatives. We know we're empty. We know we don't have fulfillment. We know we're longing for so much more that we're not experiencing. And so we try and replace him with cheap alternatives. And you know, we all do this, right? We, we try and replace what we've lost with God out of our lives with other people. And we try to replace him with money and stuff, stuff we have, stuff we do. We, we try to replace him with pleasure. And, and you know, we even try and replace God with religion. I mean, that, that'll make up for our loss of him. But we attempt to solve our problems this way, and it just doesn't work because no matter what we do, what cheap alternatives we try and bring into our lives, what we accomplish, we still don't experience what only he can give us. And the, the, the wise person who wrote the book of Proverbs said it in verses, verse 23 of chapter 19. He says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. The fear of the Lord. It's when we reverence the Lord. It's when we're open to the Lord. It's when, when, when he's the one we worship. He's the one who's in us. Then we have life. Then we rest with contentment. Then we're untouched by trouble. It doesn't mean we don't experience trouble in the world. It means that we're untouched by that trouble because he's fulfilling us within and giving us peace within. It's when we have God in our lives. But, but we replace God with this stuff, and it just doesn't work. But that's just one way we deal with the fact that we've pushed him out of our lives. Created to be his temples, and now we're just empty, empty temples. You, you look at the temple of Apollo and it's empty. He says, that's not what it was created for. That's a picture of us. It's who we are. And because God's no longer in us and we're no longer functioning as we're supposed to functioning, you, you know what we do? We, we try to appease God as human beings. And we've done this ever since we've pushed God out of our lives through sin. We try to appease God by building him alternative temples. You know why they built the temple of Apollo? Because they knew they needed God and they couldn't find him anywhere. He was meant to be in them, but he wasn't, so they built the temple of Apollo. And we build them these, these, these alternative temples. And do you realize this is how many people view even the Christian cathedrals they build and the Christian churches they build. And many people are gathered in places called church today, and, and they actually see it like the people saw the temple of Apollo. Yeah, different God and different truths and different principles, but the same thing. They see it as a place where God dwells. Have you ever had anyone tell you that the church was God's house? What do people do with their houses? They live in them unless they're Americans and they have three or four of them, right? I mean, and then, then they just visit them once in a while. But, but what God's house means, that's where he lives. 
And see, Temple of Apollo, that's where Apollo lived. That's where you'd go to visit him, the Temple of Aphrodite, the same thing. And, and all these temples are built to house their gods. And that's what people do with churches. And, and so and I can prove it. Do you know what people call places like what you're sitting in right now in churches and cathedrals? Do you know what they call them? They don't call them auditoriums. They don't call them gathering places. Do you know what they call this room in most churches? Sanctuary. Ooh. It's awe-inspiring. This is God's sanctuary. This is where God is, and God's people come to visit him, and it's their sanctuary, and they get to experience God here. Where, like, they don't get to experience everything. You know, this is why you can't have coffee in most churches, because God doesn't like coffee and doesn't want it in his house. No, that's not it. It's a sanctuary. It's a holy place. You can't come. What if you spill coffee on God's gowns? I mean, that's just not good. It's like we, we, we make it the place where God dwells. We're, we're trying to find a place to house our God. Let, let me kind of show you the difference. This is so important to understanding this truth that Paul's communicating, this truth that just came to me as I just said, oh, my gosh, we build temples for God because we're not being the temple of God. Oh, my gosh. We're missing out. We're putting God over there when God wants to be in here, and it changes everything. No wonder we're missing out. Even as Christians, many of us are missing out because we think God's here. We, we think we come visit him, and then we leave. And some of us are really glad he stays because we know what we're going to do when we leave, right? Well, here's the difference. When we build God a temple, when we build him a temple, we keep control. Did you know that? When you build God a temple, you keep control. And here's what happens. When you build God a temple, you get to leave him there. This is a big deal. God's limited to that place. No, God, we built you this house. We expect you to stay in it. They, we even put those little, you know, criminal bands on his thing so he can't get 10 feet from the house. I mean, you've you got to stay there, God. When we build him a temple, we keep control because... Because then we can live without him when we want to live without him. You know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We can live without him because he's, he's over there at the church. He's at the temple. And we'll go visit him maybe. But, but that's where he is. And so we can live without him most of the time. When we build him a temple, we get to choose when we visit him and when we don't visit him. We get to choose the parts of our life we want to share with him and the parts of our lives we don't. And when we visit him, we can dress up real pretty so that he won't see all of our scars and our dysfunctions and our damage. We'll put on our best behavior when we're out there. I, I've just got to tell you something. He sees you out there too. I've had people, have you ever told people, I, I, I'm a pastor and I wear like jeans to church. And there are a lot of people that have a problem with that. I don't know why they have a problem with that. I wear underwear under these jeans. It's all good. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's like, they go, you, you, no, if you were going to a job interview, you'd dress up. And you're going to church. You should dress up. I said, you know, he sees me in the shower. I mean, really, he's everywhere. The church isn't the only place he exists. If you wear a suit, even in the shower, if you wear a suit every moment of your life, then I buy into your concept that you're going to dress up for God. Unless you've built him a temple, this place where you leave him and you come and visit him once in a while and you dress up and put on your best behavior even though you don't live your best behavior out there. You see, when you build God temples, you maintain control. And that's what most of us have done. We've built God a temple. 
But when we're the temple, we surrender control. Have you ever thought about that? You see, when, when we're the temple, he's always with us and we're always responsible to him. When we're the temple, he shares in all parts of our lives our work, our family, our pursuit of pleasure, and every choice we make. We have to surrender control. When, when we're the temple, everyone is included in worship. We can't exclude anyone because everyone is his temple. Isn't it weird that when you build the temple, you can exclude people you don't like. You can exclude them for how they look or how they act or how they dress. But when we're the temple, we can't do that anymore because God excludes no one. Isn't that amazing? When we're the temple... No one is given greater opportunity or proximity to be with God than anyone else because he is in all. Now, when we build God a temple, lonely and empty people come in looking for fullness and looking for love, but they remain lonely and empty on the inside. Because if you're lonely and empty on the inside, you can come into a place where God and others gather, but you can still feel lonely and empty on the inside, and many of you do. Many people come to church and then never come back because, because they still feel lonely and empty, and that's what happens when you build a temple. But you know, when, when we're the temple, God fills our emptiness. God pours his compassion out in us, and even when we're all alone, we're not alone because he's with us, because we're the temple, loved, fulfilled. When, when we build God a temple, the building is the focus. But when you look at this, it's like, that's cool. I mean, I, I really, it's like, look at, I, I just spent a long time looking at this. It's beautiful. Oh, it's awesome. What was it like when it had marble on it? And the building is the focus. When, when we build God these temples, it, it is the art. It's what we value. It's what we invest in. It's what we care about. But you know, when we're the temple, people are the focus. When we're the temple, people are the art. People are what's valued. People are what we invest in. And have you noticed in cathedrals and churches all over the world very often, it's the building people care about and not the people coming to the building that they care about? Have you noticed that? Have you ever gone to these churches and cathedrals where it's, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. In fact, screw it, don't even come in. Have you ever been to those places? It's craziness because the building's what's valuable, not people. This has got to stop because we're the temple. People are the value. It's okay to build a church building. It's okay. It's okay to invest in that, but not because the building's important, but because of the people being important that can gather in Jesus' name. That's the only thing that makes a building worth it. I, I, I was a pastor down in Florida years ago. I mean, I've been here 25. You've seen that already, right? So, I mean, years ago, I was a pastor in Naples, Florida. And as soon as the service would end, People would want to stay and talk to each other and do all that stuff, right? Well, as soon as the service was over, one of the deacons, church leaders, would go and turn the auditorium lights off. We'd all have to leave the auditorium. And I'd go, why, why are you turning the lights off? To save on electricity. I said, you know, we're going to start caring more about people here than we do electricity here because that's what Jesus died for. He didn't die for your precious little light switch, pal. He died for people. And we, it's just, when you build God a temple, that's the thing you care about. But God cares about his temple 
and that's people. Do you realize when you build God a temple, godliness is something you put on. You put it on when you go to visit him. But when you're the temple, godliness is something found within you because God is the only one who makes godliness, and when he's inside, there's godliness there. Do you realize Brad Powell will never be godly? But the more I allow God to dwell in me, the more godliness I will reflect because he's in me. Too many of us are putting on our Christianity. We're trying to be like Jesus. We're trying to be godly. We're trying to be spiritual. Stop trying, give up, let Jesus in, and he'll do it for you. It changes everything. This is an awesome reality. When we build temples for God, we've done something great and worthy of praise. Look, it's, wow, who built that? But do you realize that when we're the temple, we bow down and recognize that God has done something great and worthy of praise? Do you see the difference? And I never even got this. I mean, it's right there in 1 Corinthians 3 and 6 and all the way through. We're the temple. Yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. I didn't understand why he wrote to them until I stood there and realized, this is what they saw is where gods live. No, God's supposed to live here. And I realized that I pastor in an area where most people feel the same thing, and I think I pastor a church where most people can get lost in the same thing. We are the temple. It changes everything. So let me give you the application. If, if we're going to experience God and his promises in our lives, then we need to stop building temples for God, and we need to start being the temple of God, and it will change everything. We need to stop building temples for God. And you know, we all do these works. I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this for God. Look what I've done for God. Look what I've done for God. Isn't that awesome? What's God doing in you? That's the question. We have to stop building temples for God, and we have to start being temples of God. And how do we do that? Well, let me just give you a couple biblical principles that Paul shared with Corinthians and in other places of the Bible. How, how, how can I be the temple of God? Well, if I'm going to be the temple of God, I have to build my life on the right foundation. I have to build my life on the only foundation that allows me to be a temple of God. You see, I, I, I can't be the dwelling place of God on my own because do you know what I am? I'm a failure. I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm unrighteous. I'm unholy. I'm not worthy. God can't take a... Look at... I filled my life by my choices with black mold. I mean, he can't dwell in there. But Jesus came and he died on that cross because he was paying the penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death so that he can now give us the gift of life. He rose again to put life in us. And you know, with Jesus, we can go from people where God can't live in us to being people where God does live in us. But to do that, what's the only possible foundation? Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians to these people who lived in the shadow of this temple. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.11. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If you're building your life on anything other than Jesus Christ, you are building temples for God, but you're not being the temple of God, and you're missing it all. Do you see it? That's what we have to do, which is why what, what Jesus said to the church of Laodicea, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago, is so important and vital to us every single day. You know what Jesus said to them? He said, I'm standing at the door knocking, 
And if you just hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and I'll do life with you. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you're building temples for me, but I'm wanting to be in you. Let me in. And here's my encouragement. Until you let Jesus in you, you will never experience the life you long for because you will be building temples for God but not being the temple of God. Do you see that? And for those of you who are already Christians, you're thinking, yeah, those people that are here that don't know Jesus need to let him in. Yeah. But do you know that passage was to a church, to Christians, this is to those of us who are already believers because just because you've let Jesus in in the past doesn't mean you've been letting him in lately. Let me ask you, has Jesus been fully alive in you this last week? Have you been being the temple of God, keeping the door wide open? Our job every single day is not to try and be like Jesus. Our job every single day is to keep the door of our life open to him. There should never be a time in my life where Jesus has to knock because he should already be inside. And I think more times than not, he's having to knock. How about you? And so if I'm going to be the temple of God, I need to, I need to build on the right foundation, Jesus Christ. If I'm, going to, if I'm going to be the temple of God, I need to build my life with the right things. Now, I have to build it on the right foundation, on the right thing, Jesus Christ. I need to build it with the right things. Look what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 13. If any man builds on this foundation, the foundation of Jesus, see what, what happens is we get Jesus in our life and then we start living our life. And he goes, if anyone builds your life on Jesus Christ using gold, silver, costly stones, three possible choices, wood, hay, or stubble, three more possible choices, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. He's simply saying, one day, every single one of you is going to stand before me in judgment to which some of you go, I don't even believe in him. Well, it's going to be an amazing day for you then. <laughs> We're all going to stand before him in judgment and you know what he's going to do? With the fire of his light, he's going to test the quality of what we've built on the foundation of his salvation. And if we used gold and silver and precious stones, it'll last. If we used wood, hay, and straw, it won't last. What are you building your life with? There, there are a couple of things that I believe are the gold, silver, and precious stones. There, there are a couple of things I know fit this category. The first is God's Word. If I am going to be the temple of God, then I have to build on the right foundation and I have to build with the right things. And the right thing to build my life with is God's truth, God's word. And Paul says it. I mean, he talks about God's truth all the way through the epistles, but what he does is he draws it from Isaiah the prophet back in chapter 40, verses 6 and 8. Look what God says, all men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall. But the word of our God stands, how long? Because it's gold, silver, precious stones. We need to be building our life with God's word. Now, here's the truth. You know what most people are doing? They're building their lives the way they want to. You know, my world doesn't accept this truth, so I'm not going to accept this truth. My world doesn't accept this thing, so I'm going to do this. My world's kind of going in this direction. If I'm going to get along with my world, then I've got to kind of change my view of it. And you know, we're all building our lives out of wood, hay, and straw. 
because we don't want to offend our world. We don't want to not fit in. But here's the fact. You're either going to fit in with your world or you're going to fit in with your God. The question is, who do you really want? We need to build our lives with God's truth because that's gold that will last. And we need to build our lives with God's grace. God's grace. Most of us are trying to build our lives. We're trying to work it out. But look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Nothing wrong with working hard, but, but not I, but the grace of God that was with me. You know the hard work Paul did? He did the hard work of keeping the door of his life open so Jesus could do in and through him everything he wanted to. It was grace working in him. It was God's power working in him. And here's my question. Who's doing the work in and through you? Are you doing it yourself or is grace doing it? Grace is gold, silver, and precious stone. What we do, it's wood, hay, and straw. And I think most of us are building temples. Even those of us who are on the foundation of Jesus, we're building temples of wood, hay, and straw. What a waste. God's Word and God's grace. All right, so we have to build it on the right foundation. We have to build it with the right things. And then, you know, if we're going to be the temples of God, then, then we need to build our lives around the right things. Not just on the right things, not just with the right things, but around the right things. Because if you build around the wrong things, it's going to mess you up. In fact, Paul even said it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. If you build your lives around the wrong people, the wrong advisors, the wrong kind of influences, it's going to mess you up, which is why God wants us to build our lives around the right people, the right influences. And you know where you find that? Well, he tells us. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together with other believers, as so many are doing, but rather keep getting together, encouraging one another, exhorting one another, building one another up, even more as you see the day of judgment approaching. He, you know who, who we're supposed to be building our lives around? People who love Jesus like we do. People who aren't building temples for God, but people who are being temples of God. We're supposed to be building our lives around God's people. Now, there's nothing wrong with having relationships with people who don't know Jesus, because the only way they're ever going to get to know Jesus is by knowing someone who does know Jesus, but our most intimate relationships need to be, the relationships we go to for counsel need to be, ones with people who are building their lives on God's Word and God's grace on Jesus Christ. Do you see that? And yet so many people, it's like church is, church is a place we go when it's convenient. Here in Michigan, if it's not raining, if it's not snowing, if the weather's not too good, if the weather's not too bad, if I have no place else to go, maybe one time a month, maybe two if God's lucky, I'll come and visit him like the old guy at the nursing home. We're not building our lives around God's people. We're, we're building our lives around our world. I, I hear it all the time. I don't have to go to church to love Jesus. I have news for you. Yes, you do. I don't have to go to church to love it. Yes, you do. 
You can know Jesus and have Jesus without going to church, but you can't build the life that God wants for you without God's people. You can't do it. It's impossible. Stop believing the crap that you're being told and start believing the beautiful truth that Jesus has given us. We need each other. You know why I've pastored this church 25 years? It's not because you've always been nice to me. I need to be a part of the church family, and the further I get away from relationships with my church family, the further I get away from God. It's easy for me to start messing up without you, and it's easy for you to start messing up without us, which is why so many of you are messing up. Stop it. I mean, get together with God's people. I mean, we need to do it in big group and in small group. We need to do it one-on-one and one-on-twenty. We need to be together because when we build our lives around the right people, we start becoming the right people, loving Jesus. And that's going to change the world. Let's start being the temple of God. And if we're going to be temples of God, then there's one last thing we need to do. We need to build our lives for the right things. We need to build our lives for the right things. On the right foundation, with the right things, I mean, all these things are so important, but around the right things, and then we need to build our lives for the right things. And, and Paul tells us what the right things are. Can I, can I just share two of them? Look at 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Words doxa, worship, for his glory, to honor him, to elevate him, to lift him up. There's only one right purpose to live for if you're going to be the temple of God, and that's to worship God, because that's what we're supposed to be. We're the temples of God. We're supposed to be places where he's worshiped, where he's revealed, where he's honored. This building, if it got wiped out tomorrow, nothing would change about this church except where we gather. We, the people, are the church. And the important thing is that we honor him and us. Too many of us are on our best behavior when we come into this building. We need to be on our best behavior when we're alive, breathing, and awake. Because whether you're eating or drinking or sleeping or playing, pursuing pleasure or working, you are supposed to be the place where God is worshipped, and that's the right purpose to live for. And if you work for any other reason but to give Him glory, you're working for the wrong reason. If you seek pleasure for any other reason than to give Him pleasure, you're pursuing pleasure in the wrong way and for the wrong reason. We need to make Him what we worship. And what else is the right thing? Well, if we're going to build our lives for the right things, then we have to build it for the right reward, the right reality. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly, we're wasting away. We're getting beat up by this world. But inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Remember, when we're the temple, we can be content even when the world's disrupted. When we're the temple, when God's in us, we can be at peace even when the world's at trouble. He says, so we're getting beat up in this world, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs all the troubles we're experiencing now. So here's what we do. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. If we're going to be the temple of God, we have to build our lives for the right things. Are you living for the eternal or the temporary? The temples that humans build 
can be unbelievably impressive. I mean, they can be awe-inspiring works of art, places that we want to go pay money for and visit. They've been called some of the great wonders of the world. But the temples that we human beings build will never bring us what we're longing for, what we were created to experience in this world, fulfillment, peace, joy, or contentment. Only God can give us those. And, and we can only experience God giving us those when we allow Him to dwell in us, when we fulfill our original purpose to be His temple, when we keep the doors of our life open. So can I just remind you this weekend, and it can change your life, if you want to experience God in your life, if you want to experience His promises alive in you, if you want to know His fullness, then stop building temples for God and start being the temple of God. Let's take the advice of Paul and realize that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in us, whom we've received from God. And so we're no longer our own. We've been bought with a price, and therefore we're supposed to honor God with our bodies. And do you know how different life would be if we honored God with all that we are, wherever we are? Gee, the light of Jesus might shine in the darkness around us. Goodness, God's glory might be demonstrated instead of just talked about. Oh my, God's presence might be something we don't wish for and long for, but something we know and cherish. It would change everything. You're not made to come to a temple. You're made to be the temple. And when you are, life changes forever. Would you just, before we close, bow with me in a word of prayer? And as we bow in a word of prayer, I want to encourage you, before I pray, if God's working in your life, if, if you'd like to talk to someone about how you can have a relationship with God, if you'd like to talk to someone about other things going on in your life, or you'd like to just pray with someone, we have prayer teams. I mean, at all of our regional campuses here at Plymouth, we have prayer teams. And so once everybody's leaving, they're down front. And all you have to do is come sit down front in all of our auditorium settings, and, and they'll appropriately approach you and pray with you and let you know and answer your questions. God, I just thank you so much for this moment in time we've had. Yes, we've come to a place we call church. We've come to a place that was built so that your people could worship, but, but I pray that none of us would be confused. The important thing is not the building, is not the space. The important thing are the people who gather here to honor and glorify you. And I pray that all of us would leave this place we call church being the church. Leave not with the thought that you stay here, but leave with the knowledge that you go with us. And may that change the way we live and all around us. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you something. Everyone you meet this week is someone who needs to know the truth of Jesus. And you know, the only thing standing between them and knowing that is you inviting them. Have someone with you next week when you come. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.